What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. So uh, first, you'll recall, they, uh, they came for Dr. Seuss. Remember the Yeah. Dr. Seuss. And there was a bit of a hullabaloo about all of it. How dare you cancel these books? But uh, remember, then they, they say, well, these books are old. They say some things that aren't really... Uh, oh, they're problematic, let's say. They're, they're just problematic. We probably shouldn't be saying some of these things and calling people some of these words uh, like we, uh, you know, like we used to. Like he obviously felt okay to do. Um, so, okay, uh, there was a bit of, uh, dust up over that, but now we got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now we've got James and the Giant Peach. Um, and so I, I, I do feel it necessary to, uh, let everybody know that, um, I, uh, I do have a, a bit of a personal attachment to this because, uh, I was Mike TV in, in, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. In our fifth grade, uh, fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. Well, we did. We did when I played the crocodile in one of the really rosy in that play, and then I did the. And then I was Mike TV, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I was also what we called the centipede, because uh, it was the centipede. But that was from James and the Giant Peach, so I was that that character in that book. So I have a personal uh, connection here too. Raw Dolls books, albeit only those two. I was not aware of these other books. Apparently, The Witches and Matilda. I, I I may have read Matilda. I don't know. I don't remember it. But anyway, here's he, these are the new targets. They are now being rewritten. Words are being taken out of the original books and swapped with different words. I have some examples here. So. Uh, this is from a couple. There are a couple passages, a couple of changes here from the witches. So they cut out a whole sentence here. They cut out a whole sentence because apparently uh, the sentence initially read, "You can't go around pulling the hair of every lady you meet, even if she is wearing gloves. Just you try it and see what happens." Apparently, this is like I guess you, they're trying to pull the hair to see who's wearing wigs because if you're wearing a wig, then I guess you're a witch or something. I don't know. I had, did not read the book, but. That's the idea is you're running around pulling the hair of a woman and she's wearing a wig and it comes off. And so, and now that's problematic. You can't say that anymore. So now they changed it to say, don't be foolish. Besides, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. They changed uh, one sentence that said, even if she is working as a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. You see the obvious problem with that sentence, right? So now instead of a cashier in a supermarket, it says a top scientist. And instead of typing letters for a businessman, it's now running a business. Um, They also eliminated some reference to uh, uh, going to India with Rudyard Kipling. 
and now it's uh, California with John Steinbeck, and they eliminated uh, the uh, line where she went on olden day sailing ships with Joseph Conrad, and they changed that to she went to 19th century estates with Jane Austen. Uh, in James and the Giant Peach, the cloud men have become cloud people, of course. Miss Sponge is no longer the fat one. Miss Spider's head is no longer black. And the earthworm no longer has lovely pink skin, but instead has lovely smooth skin. You cannot call the crazy uh, Indian prince crazy. You can call him ridiculously rich, but not crazy. I'm not sure why. I guess Indian people don't ever go crazy or something. I don't know. But apparently the crazy prince is just now the prince. You don't want to say the word crazy, and you definitely don't want to say it with the word Indian before or after it. You're not allowed to call a nine-year-old boy who was so enormously fat, he looked as though he had been blown up with a powerful pump. That's the quote. You see the problem with this one now, obviously. You can't call him enormously fat. You can call him enormous, though. You can call him enormous, and you can say that he looks like he had been blown up with a powerful pump, but you can't call him fat. You can say, great folds bulged out from every part of his body, and his face was like a ball of dough, but you cannot say that those folds are flabby. No flabby folds, just folds. And you can't say that those folds were made of fat. You can say uh, that they are folds, and they bulged out, but you cannot say they are flabby folds of fat. Oh, before I forget also, uh, his his face, uh, it cannot look like a monstrous ball of dough. It can look like a ball of dough, but not a monstrous one. Not a monstrous one. A queer ramshackle house is now just a strange ramshackle house, which is what queer used to mean, remember? A queer, odd strange and that's how and the author is british i believe Roald Dahl, and so it kind of makes sense because that's how the british use the term right anyway uh aunt sponge is uh no longer enormously fat and very short she is just quite large and very short not sure how the short folks didn't get that line changed but anyway um you can hear uh, here's a problem one of those white flabby faces that looked exactly as though it had been boiled and that gets turned into a face that looked like a great soggy overboiled cabbage. So you can call somebody cabbage face apparently, just can't say white flabby faces. You could say it's a face that looks like soggy overboiled cabbage, just don't call them fat. Or flabby. No more flabby. Flabby and fat are out. You can't say that she had a screeching voice. You could say it was annoying, but not screeching. You can't say ghastly hags. You can call them ghastly ants. You can't call Aunt Sponge, who was fat and pulpy as a jellyfish, fat and pulpy, but you can call her pulpy and as pulpy as a jellyfish, just not fat. Again, eliminating her fat arms to just be arms. And uh, this entire sentence is removed. Uh, quote, in another minute, this mammoth fruit was as round and large and fat as Aunt Sponge herself and probably just as heavy. That whole sentence is gone. Also gone, elephants. You can't put elephants in as the prey. You can say prey. They were like a couple of hunters who had just shot an elephant. No, no, 
They were like a couple of hunters who had just shot their prey. So these are some of the changes. There's many, many more. There's an entire thread of all the changes that have been made to all of these different books by Roald Dahl. Joyce Carol Oates, a major figure in the world of literary fiction. According to Mark Hemingway in his piece at The Federalist, he quotes her as saying, Prose so radically revised by sensitivity readers should be noted as collaborations. It is unfair to readers to be deceived into thinking that they are reading the original work. If Dahl is so egregious as to require such wholesale whitewashing, why republish him at all? That's a fair question, right? Two fair points, I think. That's not what Raul Dahl wrote. Those are not the books that Raul Dahl wrote. Y'all have changed them. And when you change them, you need to put your names on them and alert everybody that these have now been revised. That these are now, as she says, collaborations. And if they are so egregious that they require all of these edits, then why are you publishing the stories at all? And by the way, what does this portend for not just these very same books to undergo future edits, right? When other words become non-double-plus ungood, according to the tastemakers, but what of other books? Walter Kern, another author, said what's happening isn't some concession made for a uh, singularly problematic writer. Walter Kern says, quote, writers may wish to rethink their ambitions. If their work should prove lasting, it may end up being tortured for all eternity. This is not mere sensitivity editing, by the way. This is blunt, agenda-driven rewriting. It is idea injection, and it will be continual once it starts. The Raw Dahl Library, the rights to it, are owned by Netflix. They bought it for half a billion dollars two years ago. Right about the same time that Dr. Seuss Enterprises had surrendered to the politically correct pressure and stopped publishing several of Seuss's works altogether, which caused quite a lot of public debate. But there's not so much debate about this. Nothing like the firestorm we saw with Dr. Seuss. And without some major pushback to the precedent being set here, Walter Kern is probably correct is probably correct in expecting politically correct rewrites to spread like wildfire. All right, uh, we'll get into what this means also for the fights going on in the school districts over what books to put on the shelves. Who's really banning the books here, folks? All right, let's go over and talk to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good, Pete. How are you doing today? I think I'm okay. Good. Good. Uh, hey, I you were talking about books and everything, and that made me think of one of the probably the worst books written in history that should be it was Willy Wonka some guy named Dahl wrote it and the chocolate factory I mean from page one on there it's just you know it's it would be it would be a redactor's paradise I mean that is one of the books know. that is one of the books huh? they've tar they've targeted that the author's name is Rawl Dahl and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the witches Matilda James and the Giant Peach they are all being edited down uh, you know, the Oompa Loompas? Man, oh man, I mean, whoa. What's wrong I with mean, the Oompa yeah. Loompas? Well, uh, I don't even want to say it because people are somehow going to associate, you know, that, associate me with the Oompa Loompas right away. 
Yeah, Why? Are you are you tiny and and blue? No, they they really even didn't start out as blue. Um, they, they, let's put it this way: the Oompa Loompas were people of color. I guess would that be what? They they were they were cartoonish. Um, yeah, they well, were they were they, it, these are fan, these are fantastical conjurations for a children's book. They're just this whole group of little worker people. They're like uh, Gulliver's Travels or all these tiny little people. That that was what the Oompa Loompas were. Now this is just like the Christmas Carol. There are you know, a multitude of hidden social messages in there. I mean, I mean, even Charlie wasn't you know right. I mean, what was wrong with Charlie? Well, remember when he found the ticket? I mean, you know, who sleeps with all in the same bed? Grandma, Grandpa, Mom, Dad. The Ingles. The Ingles family. The Ingles family did. They all slept in the same beds because, like, back then that was more normal because people could only afford, like, one bed in one room. Uh, Well, you know, we could discuss this forever, but I, I think there was more than one bed in there, and I... I think that uh, there was yeah, the, space to Charlie's mom and yeah, Charlie's mom and dad had a bed because they were having the relations, but the old people weren't. I think Charlie had his own bed. I, I don't. I think I don't think he slept in the bed with the old folks. They were just all in that one bed in the living room area. Oh, excuse me, Pete. So I can't. I'm too old to have relations now. I guess. I, okay. Well, when they were ninety years old, they could. I mean, they couldn't do anything. Like, it was a big deal when that guy got out of the bed and danced around. That was a huge deal because they'd never seen any of the old people get out of the bed at all. Well, and even the dance was bad. Even the dance it was, was bad? It was obviously a tribal dance of some sort. Oh, my gosh. I don't know from where. So, Dean, I think, <laughs> I think you are actually auditioning to be one of the censors. Is that what's happening here? Are you recording this and you're going to send it over to the uh, uh, to Netflix in order to get on the censoring panel? No, that hadn't really crossed my mind. So now, is there money in that? I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, just I, I throw it out there. I'm looking out for you. I throw it out there. Maybe as a as a potential uh, gig. You know, you can do like in this gig economy. Like you could just be reading through some of the stuff and highlighting all of the problematic things. Yeah, maybe I could go on one of those things and enlighten people. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage Wait you to do up. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Dean. I appreciate okay. the call. All right, thank you, sir. That's uh, that's uh, some good information. Yeah. That's, uh... Uh, tortoises used to be... This was another line here. Tortoises. This is from... When is this? SEO Trot? Yeah, SEO Trot. I don't know. I've not heard of this story either, but this was from Raul Dahl as well. Tortoises used to be brought into England by the thousand, packed in crates, and they came mostly from North Africa. The new version, tortoises used to be brought into England by the thousand... They came from lots of different countries packed in crates. <laughs> so you can't say where they mostly came from because where they mostly came from was North Africa and we're not allowed to say North Africa. This sounds a little bit like cancellation, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit like you're canceling these these tortoises and where and 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 their and their truth. This is their story. How dare you rob them of their story?
Hello, Tim. Welcome to the program, Tim. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, look here. Um, when I was on the phone with uh, your screener, I'm, I don't know, maybe I missed it. But did your last caller ever get around to the origins of the Oompa Loompa? No, he just said it was problematic, and he wouldn't say we wouldn't say what what they were. Well, this, is what, this is what I don't understand how our society has got this to the point where this would be problematic. But in the first iteration of the story, the Oompa Loompa were the darkest pygmies from the deepest parts of Africa. So if people are across the nation are now fainting from hearing that, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's all it is. No I thought they, and they loved, pygmies. well, I thought they loved Willy Wonka. Well, or is it? Or are you saying that the original story is he captured them and then pressed them into servitude? Well, now that part I'm not sure of. I don't know how he acquired them. Right, I, I don't know who they were and where they came from. I thought they were really tiny little people, and uh, he did find them in some other country. I don't remember where, so maybe on the continent of Africa or something. But then they 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 loved him so much. I suspect it was because of the candy. But I don't know. They loved him so much, and they followed him back, and they and that's how he uh, got them to work in his factories. But I don't remember the I don't remember all of the passages of the story. Um, but yeah, then well, yeah, you, you might be right. Yeah, but yeah, it's all above board. So I, no reason for anyone to get. I don't th- look. If you can't even say tortoises came from North Africa, I'm I'm not sure what chance the pygmies have. <laughs> right? Okay, Tim. I appreciate the call, sir. Thanks a lot. And uh, I did not. So I went and looked up during the break here uh, the origin story of the Oompa Loompa. Uh, 1964, the original book. Right, Raul Dahl describes the Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He describes the characters as pygmy people brought from Africa as slaves to work in Willy Wonka's factory. He also uses imagery which calls to mind a vague and generic archetypal African landscape. Some have suggested that this imagery is a deliberate satire of exploitative colonialist labor practices. So he did it in order to mock the UK and colonialism, but apparently this, apparently this, it 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 went over everyone's head. So he changed, he changed the description of them later, making them um, light-skinned and blonde-haired. So he changed it. Others point out the discomforting parallels to real-world slavery and the underlying imperialist narratives in the relationship between Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> this is where we are. Alrighty, so, keep that story on the back burner, keep it in your mind, and now we're going to listen to this story, which was done by Mark Garrison uh, at uh, on his uh, Charlotte at Six program the other day, talking about a couple of books at CMS. At Palisades High School in southwest Charlotte, students have been invited by a staff member to come early Thursday and listen to what is basically a gay story hour. Stories to be read out loud to supposedly create a welcoming environment, especially for transgender students. But do the books promote pedophilia? Do they give kids ideas about their gender that they might not otherwise have? One of the featured books is called this is our rainbow. Take a listen to this excerpt from it. One story features a middle school girl oh who has goodness. a crush on her best friend's mother. 
Oh my gosh. mom has the prettiest eyes. Okay. I just Wait. think your mom's really pretty. It's my mom. And it's awkward. And you never even told me you were gay. That's from the audio version of the book. All right, hang on a second. I guess I should have given everybody a heads up. Uh, if you got kids in the car, uh, you might not want to let them listen to this. <laughs> because it's good enough to be on the library shelves, but not to listen to in the car. Okay. As the story continues, the middle school girl is described as having attractions to grown women. She had crushes on women with dark, wavy hair that tickled against her cheeks after a spill off her bike. And pretty eyes and laugh lines. She had crushes on women like Mrs. McKenzie. Her body was still betraying her with fluttery feelings in her stomach just thinking about Stacy's mom. Again, that is a story describing a middle school girl with yeah. crushes on grown women. Good Lord. It's one of the suggested stories for the reading session at Palisades High this Thursday morning. For parents at the school, such as Chad Hawley, stories like that are outrageous. He says the storyline suggests it's okay for kids and adults to be romantically involved. That is pedophilia and criminal promotion. That's how I feel about it. He says stories like that go far beyond just being tolerant of someone who's gay. That is way beyond having an open mind to different sexual identity or even interests. This is actually promoting criminal behavior and suggestion to children and promoting it to put them in a position to be hurt and not safe. Another story from the book, This Is Our Rainbow, that may be read in the Thursday session at Palisades High, describes a middle school girl who has her eyes on her classmate's breast. Her neon yellow tank top oh my is gosh. really filled in. Oh my gosh, sorry, right, let's just go ahead and draw that one down a little bit. This is a, this is a family-friendly show, Garrison. What are you doing to me? It's a feeling <laughs> I'm supposed to have for her. Again, that's from the book This Is Our Rainbow, one of the books that may be read to a group at Palisades High this week. Parents who've heard excerpts from the book are flabbergasted. It has nothing to do with education. I feel like it's indoctrination. Wendy Hawley also thinks this session is targeted toward black students because the books being promoted for this Thursday reading session mostly feature African-American kids on the covers. You know, there's so many great, you know, it's Black History Month. There's so many great examples of, you know, people through history who have done great things. Like, why are they pushing this to black students? So how did this gay-friendly reading session for Palisades High School come about? It was planned by Megan Sanford, who works in the school library and media center. We asked her in an email to talk to us, but got no reply. But this is part of a national effort from a group known as the Human Rights Campaign, the oh. HRC. The HRC encouraged teachers and librarians around the country to read from several gay and transgender books this Thursday calling it a National Day of Reading. The HRC material says the books feature queer fantasy. In one story, a young witch turns herself into a puppy so she can be close to another girl. And then there's this story. Two elementary girls expressing their lesbian preferences while riding a Ferris wheel together. It's still the cutest girl I've ever seen in real life. I reach out. Oh my gosh, hand. wait, wait, what? She okay. lets me. Oh, hey. Lacing her fingers between mine and squeezing. Then we sit like that for the rest of the ride. Two queer girls holding hands on top of the world. 
Brooke Weiss with Moms for Liberty is concerned about such content. You know, I, I don't understand why we're sexualizing children. She says that while encouraging kids to be kind is a worthy goal, why promote the LGBTQ agenda or suggest to kids that they might be gay or transgender if they have certain feelings? I think there's a very big difference between teaching kindness and tolerance and then promoting something. And I think that we just need to get back to teaching children to be kind without attaching various agendas to it. We don't need to teach them to be kind to particular sexual orientations. They should just be taught to be kind and accepting of everyone, no matter who they are. Do you feel like an agenda is being pushed here? Yes. I think that kids are being bombarded with messages about sexuality and gender being pushed into declaring themselves as some sort of marginalized group. Another recommended story for this Thursday features a boy who comes out as trans in his shop class. He describes yelling at his macho shop teacher. Again, this is from the audio version of the book. I chewed out my teacher in front of the whole class. Bigot. Sexist. Toxic masculinity. And he then demanded he be called by his new girl name, Petra. Another story involves a boy who envisions giving his first kiss to another boy who's the school bully. And another middle school girl talks about her feelings for someone else in her class. I wish I could dance with her eyes half-closed, our hands in a clasp. Parents Chad and Wendy Hawley contacted the principal at Palisades about the LGBTQ reading session this Thursday, but said they got no reply. I asked CMS for an interview. They declined. But they said the controversial gay storybooks being read at Palisades this Thursday are on the approved reading list for the schools. Oh, okay. And they yeah. sent me the school's book policy which actually raises more questions. The policy says materials kids read should present more than one view on issues such as sex, but these books clearly promote only one view. Parent Wendy Hawley says she and her husband would love to offer story sessions or books for the school that present different thoughts on morality, but no, they would not be allowed to do so. And I mean, it's pedophilia, <laughs> it's grooming, it's just like and these kids already are in identity crisis if they're coming to something like this they don't know who they are they don't have like a firm foundation and this is just planting those seeds and watering those seeds that are coming into them and it's ridiculous cms told me this afternoon they are not sure if any other schools other than palisades will have the reading session for gay rights this thursday morning and the school system says that palisades parents were told about the session but parents we talked to said they had no idea of the nature of the books that would be read all right so i wonder did this actually occur today but by the way this is the game this is the game to stuff the libraries and schools with these types of books and to promote this stuff and then call you a book banner when you object to the content of the book. Meanwhile, actually banning books <laughs> through the purchasing of the rights and eliminating them from the marketplace entirely, as if the entire marketplace is the same as your school's library. Uh, I got a tweet here, at Pete Callender. It's a Pete tweet. 
from old guy get off my lawn that's his name i don't make up their names that's his name what on earth is this filth on your show i am now wishing to go back to dean's analysis of charlie and the chocolate factory that's (laughs) uh so maga american pitbull uh, says that oompa loompas are orange smurfs are blue i was thinking i thought they were purple but i guess that was what was her name it was uh veruca salt was she the gum chewing one or was yeah she was the gum chewer who turned purple um Gigi says omg that was hilarious dean's call oompa loompa for people of color yeah well apparently the original iteration of the story that Roald Dahl wrote they were pygmies from uh, uh from africa and he apparently was using it as a satire on colonialism which i guess nobody really caught and so he changed their description a couple years later to be fair-skinned and blonde hair so i don't know so everybody can be offended <laughs> just, just it runs the whole the whole spectrum but here's the here's the thing after listening to uh, you know, the, the types of books that are made available to students, right? And when parents push back, they get accused of trying to ban books. Meanwhile, you've got the Raw Doll series and a couple of years ago, the Dr. Seuss books that actually were banned. Edits are occurring, right? Language is being changed. Books that uh, were part of the Dr. Seuss library were not only discontinued for publishing purposes but you'll recall ebay took them completely offline you could not post any of the old books for sale mark hemingway at the federalist he says what's most remarkable about this muted response to the raw doll censorship is that it pretty definitively shows the left really doesn't care in the slightest about book bans despite all their posturing and the controversies over the last few years about inappropriate and politicized books finding their way into school libraries. The battle has been drawn largely along partisan lines, and by now it's pretty clear that the left is being duplicitous in this. Right? A parent who complains about drawings of underage kids performing acts in the book Gender Queer, which, by the way, I've got another story here where uh, there was a... Uh, that was one of the books that just got pulled off of the shelves in uh, Palisade School, yet again, West Charlotte High School as well. It's a graphic novel. Graphic novels are what we used to call cartoon, com- or uh, uh, comic books, rather. Uh, it's cartoons. They're drawings. It's a graphic novel that's also graphic. It's a graphic squared novel, I guess you could call it. You complain about that, saying, hey, that is age-inappropriate for the school library, Hey, we're going to pass laws to make sure you can't put those kinds of books in front of my, you know, third grader without my consent. But uh, th- and if you do that, then you're the book banner. But if if you want to just completely erase Dr. Seuss books and ban them, that's that's not a book ban, don't you see? Yeah, it's transparently duplicitous. Yet these left-wing activists, he says, appear to largely be getting away with the attempt to re-educate kids along expressly political lines. Parents asking for prudent, age-appropriate protections for their kids, for what kids can access, are not asking for offensive books to be banned. They're still available to be bought and read elsewhere. They just don't want them in their kids' school library where their kids would be exposed to this uh, type of material without their consent. So it's not clear whether you'll ever be able to purchase a new, non-censored copy of Raw Doll in the future. 
And not only did Dr. the Seuss Enterprises stop printing them, as I mentioned, eBay banned them altogether. He goes on to say what's really going on here is the activists want to instill their values in kids through the schools. Because, as I said, have said many times, schools are where the society transmits its values to its youth. That's what's going on. Concerned parents should not be afraid to enter this fray. Thank <laughs> you.